All right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens, and I also believe that the best way to get teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, help us spread the word to youth leaders. It is time for a revolution in youth ministry that will result in every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. We're in the midst of a mini-series around my book, The Failure of Youth Ministry and How to Fix It. Uh, for decades, many ministries, churches, and parachurch uh, organizations have sensed that the typical way we do youth ministry is not really working. Uh, it's, it's failing to ignite students with a passion. It's really failing to capture this next generation for Christ. And so what we want to do over the next few months, few episodes, is really talk about solutions. How do we turn the ship? How do we change the paradigm? And how do we start seeing uh, traction when it comes to gospel advancement? We've been talking to different youth ministry experts and practitioners. So excited uh, to have Dr. Kara Powell back with us. She is a, a friend. She's a chief of leadership formation at Fuller. She's the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute and associate professor of youth and family ministry. In addition to her roles at Fuller, she serves as a youth and family strategist at Orange, volunteers in student ministries at Lake Avenue Church in Pasadena, has authored several books. She was named by Christianity Today as one of the 50 women to watch. Kara and Fuller Youth Institute are leading a new initiative that we're excited about at Dare to Share. We're actually part of it. Uh, it's called the 10 by 10 Collaboration with a mission of making faith matter more. Uh, so that 10 million young people over the next uh, 10 years can really have their hearts captured for Jesus, see these students transformed by the power of the gospel. Uh, Kara, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast again. Oh, my pleasure and honor, Greg. I'm such a fan of you and your team. And you did a great job on my bio. You know, maybe one of the biggest points of credibility I have is I'm actually living with teenagers. Uh, Dave and I have oh, three yeah. kids, a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And so every day we are living youth and young yep. adult ministry in our home and with their friends. And we just love that. It's great. And it's all, you know, it's all theory until you have teens. <laughs> I mean, it's, I have a 21-year-old and a 17-year-old and I took one of those, you know, those like growing kids, God's way things yeah. growing up, which yeah. was fine. I learned a lot, but it made it almost sound like bowling. You just, you follow the arrows and you're going to hit a strike or a spare every time. And it's not like that. It's more like, I call it pinball parroting. I just push buttons and pray, Lord, help us, you know? And, uh, totally, totally. No, kids are, you know, young, young, young adult and teenage kids, they keep us... Uh, real, they keep us humble, they yeah. keep us praying, and they keep us in touch. You know, just yesterday, yeah. my daughter was telling me something about TikTok, which honestly, I never would have learned if it wasn't for her. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm really grateful for the vitality that our kids add to our life and our ministry, actually. Amen. Amen. Well, tell us a little bit more about your background. Why are you so passionate about reaching young people? Yeah. Well, I think in many ways, because Jesus captivated me when I was a high school student. Um, I had grown up in the church and it was Easter Sunday of my junior year when our relatively new youth pastor uh, gave a message on Easter and said, many of you have Jesus mm. as Savior, but he's not your Lord. And would you mm. like to make him your Lord? And this was a Pentecostal church. So there was an altar call and I went forward and I remember the outfit I was wearing. 
Um, mm. It was a peach skirt and a cream blouse, in case you're wondering. And yep. that was really a turning point for me. So I think my yeah. own life has was so changed as an adolescent because of how God worked through the church and through yeah. adults. And every day I see that happening. And like you, Greg, I just want to see it happening exponentially more than it's happening yeah. right now. Yeah, and there is, I think you bring up an interesting point. I think there is a go all in moment for teens. It's really important. Like Romans 12, 1, I beg you therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, go all in, offer your bodies as living yeah. sacrifice. You know, a lot of us, you know, put our faith in Christ as kids and yeah. maybe got that ticket to heaven, but really didn't make a difference on earth. And those moments yeah. where, you know what, I'm going all in, I'm going to pick up this cross and follow Christ. That is a discipleship acceleration point that we got to see kids get to, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the interesting things in our research at the Full Youth Institute, and this is, I think, counterintuitive to many of us as youth leaders, is that young people actually want to be challenged. Yes. Um, in our growing young research, when we looked at churches that aren't aging or shrinking, but are really thriving with young people and growing young, that's why we call it growing young, like one of the things that young people loved most about these churches was that they really challenged them. They yeah. invited them to follow the real Jesus in a radical way. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think often we undersell what it means to follow Jesus because we think that'll be more palatable. But yeah. the reality is the, the full claims, the audacious claims of Jesus, when they're clear, <laughs> yeah. that is really compelling to young people. Yeah, and I think that t that ties right in to this study that came from the Great Opportunity Pine Tops Foundation that we're losing. Yeah. Tell me if I'm saying it right, a million, at least a million teens per year. Yeah. Uh, evangelical teens not just leaving the church, but abandoning their faith. And yeah. some of that is because, would you agree that a lot of these teens have been under-challenged and Christianity has turned into kind of a program they go through into, not a movement they're a part of. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, Christianity can so easily feel like a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts, yeah. not a love and justice revolution yeah. that God is leading and we get to be part of regardless of age. And, you know, I look at the U.S. church right now, Greg, yeah. and I think this is maybe the first time I've said it publicly. I've said it in a bunch of small circles with friends and, and close colleagues. But when I look at the U.S. church right now, I have far more hope in 15 and 25 year olds mm. than I do 55 year olds in terms mm. of where God can take us, where God needs to take us and our openness to God's leading. So, yeah. so I think there's never been a more important time for us to really prioritize young people in our churches and build relationships with them that are empowering. I think that's really good. And I do feel like, um, the great, I love that whole idea of a love and justice revolution. And, you know, quite honestly, over the last 30 years, I mean, I've, I've adjusted some of my views of that because I was just a gospel guy, gospel, gospel, gospel. Yeah. You're and, Mr. Evangelism. So, yeah. and, I, and I still am, but I yeah. think what I, what I've seen is that they, they're not distant cousins, they're siblings that yeah. when students learn how to, they can, they can serve the poor and share Christ. Yeah. They, it actually builds yeah. bridges so that the gospel can be shared and declared and incarnated face to face, eye to eye with those that we're serving. And I think bring students can bring those two together in a powerful yeah. way. 
you know? I, absolutely. I mean, I think students are some of the best at understanding people need Jesus for better life now, yep. as well as eternal life in heaven. Students, yeah. they grasp that and they as they have the adult support that they need, I think students can really lead the way in the church in helping us understand that. So, I mean, we've yeah. seen that even when the last couple of years with what our, our country has been through racially, yes. some of the really exciting God centered mm -hmm. initiatives toward greater racial justice are led by young people, diverse young people, yeah. young people of all ethnicities and cultures, uh, which makes sense. Cause if you look at data on the U S today, um, we crossed a line in 2020, according mm. to the census, in mm. the midst of everything else that happened in 2020, we crossed a line and now half of those under 18 are young people of color yeah. and half of those mm. under 18 are white. And so what a, what a great opportunity for the church to really be a reconciling community that engages diverse young people yep. in reconciliation with each other, as well as with God through Jesus Christ. It's interesting. Uh, this last weekend, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I preached at my friend Derwin Gray's church. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yeah. Dr. Derwin Great Gray. church. Fabulous oh. church. Yeah. You know, such a, it's, and his big thing is let's build multi-ethnic churches that model to the world what it looks like to be a united bride of Christ. And man, that is a yeah. multi-ethnic church on fire yeah. for the gospel. And it was interesting. Yeah. We had a conversation about exactly what you said. He goes, we almost have to, teenagers are already who go to a public school already locked into this multicultural, uh, you know, movement in their schools. Yeah. He goes, it's yeah. almost like. We have to deprogram them from that, you know? Uh, that's what the church often does. They deprogram oh, them from yeah. that and segregates as opposed to, you know what? Let's build on this and let's let this multi-ethnic gospel advancing, disciple multiplying movement just like a tsunami take over our churches and yeah. really show the world what unity looks like. You know, yeah, and, and that's where I think um, I, I I try to make it clear, Greg, when I'm talking based on data and when I'm talking based on non-data. So I'm going to talk for a moment based on more of a hunch than data, but it's a hunch that a couple senior pastors have told me they've seen in their own churches that uh, they were they were struggling with seeing people of different ethnicities and cultures engage and build relationship with each other. And so they instead started emphasizing intergenerational relationships. Mm. In other words, let's bring 15 and 35 and 55 and 75 year olds together in relationships. And they said that was a really helpful mm. precursor mm. for then crossing lines of race and ethnicity, which I, mm. I think often are harder, especially for those of us over 30 to cross. So, you know, I, I think in the church today, we have this opportunity to be both uh, multi-generational yeah. and multi-racial communities in, in beautiful, beautiful ways. So not to put too much on Derwin, but one of the things, I'm a big Derwin Gray fan. He traveled with- Yeah, me too. I, I love him on social media and I, we've had oh. a chance to chat here and then and, and I just think he's brilliant. So and He traveled with Dare to Share for two years right after his video, The Evangelism Linebacker came out. So nobody really knew him mm. other than through that video, but I had heard a sermon and I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy can preach. And nice. got to know him, got to know his heart. But 
now seeing at his church, like when he preaches, oftentimes he'll address the teenagers in the crowd. They don't have a separate meeting. He brings the teens in. He goes, teenagers, I want to talk to you for a moment. And he does that consistently to make, he goes, I do that because I want them to know they're part of the church now. And they have their separate Sunday night meetings for youth and all that stuff. But Sunday morning, man, youth are elevated. And uh, it was really, it's really neat to see, to see that. So the question, I guess, is, you know, as we take, as we push back, I wrote this book, The Failure of Youth Ministry and How to Fix It. And, yeah, uh, it, you know, I, it's, it's just a hook to get people's attention because it's true. Youth ministry, generally speaking, if you run by the data, we're, if we're losing a million teens per year, uh, they're abandoning their faith, we're failing. So the question is, how do we fix it? And obviously, I kind of, I'm laying out this gospel solution and let's get back to, you know, getting our kids to know it and share it and own it. And I'm sure as you look through that, there were probably some gaps uh, because you're wicked smart and this is what you do all the time. And the 10 by 10 collaboration is is bigger than just, evangelism is a part of it, but it's bigger than that. So what would you say, we talked about, you know, intergenerational, what are those other gaps that you think need to be filled for youth ministry to be strong again? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having such a provocative title, The Failure of Youth Ministry. You know, we in the academic world, we always have to qualify something that, you know, make make it uh, completely defensible when it comes to research. So um, so I appreciate your boldness with saying the failure of youth ministry. And, uh, you know, Greg, I I just want to say to youth leaders, I think now is a really tough time to be a youth Mm -hmm. leader. Um, Barna released some research in October 2021 indicating that about 38% of U.S. pastors um, have seriously contemplated leaving ministry in the last year. Marco Stryker and the Youth Cartel, uh, uh, motivated by that, I believe, did a study just of youth leaders and found the percentage was about the same of, of youth leaders who had seriously contemplated leaving ministry in the last year. Um, I was talking to a, a youth leader at a large black church. I won't tell you what state it was in, but in the South. Um, and they had shifted to uh, online. They shifted to Zoom when the pandemic hit, like almost all of us did. And and they had an open back up for in-person uh, youth group. And, you know, this youth pastor told me that before the pandemic, they were having 500 high school mm-hmm. students per week at youth group. As he was getting ready, the team was getting ready to open back up in person. They'd been doing Zoom, but in person, he said he was hoping for 30. Mm. He said, I'll be ecstatic if we mm. have 30 students. Mm. So, I, I mean, that's that's a stark reminder of just how tough it is to be in youth ministry these days. Yeah. So. I know, Greg, like me, that in the midst of us wanting youth ministry to be better, we want to start and say, man, we get it. We get it that it's hard. We get it that you're, you are working, you are trying, Mm -hmm. you're unappreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so actually, you know, I think that is a theme that you bring out in the book that I would, I would want to highlight here Mm -hmm. is that youth ministry isn't a solo sport. Um, It's a, it's a group project. And so, you know, to every hardworking youth leader out there, 
I'd invite you to think about what adult team mm. are you investing mm. in so that you can multiply yourself yep. and your impact. Um, and here's where there's some good news. Well, first I'll start with bad news and then get to good news in some recent research, Greg, that according to the Springtide Research Institute, a great research center, mm. um, only 10% of U.S. teenagers heard from any faith leader during the pandemic. Wow. So not just Christian faith leader, but you know, Mormon, Jewish, et wow. cetera, only 10% of teenagers heard from a faith mm. leader. Like that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But here's the good news that in that same study, 70% of teenagers said they were more open yeah. to meaningful relationships. Yeah. So I actually think that this is a unique window, whether it's student to student evangelism and relationship building, or whether it's adult to young person relationship building, evangelism, uh, sharing life yeah. together. Like, I think we're in a unique window right mm -hmm. now where, I don't know if I should say coming out of the pandemic, who knows what stage yeah. of the pandemic we're in, but you know, in this moment in the pandemic, like young people are more open to relationship. Yeah. So, so I, I think, I think this is such an important window for us mm. to double down on a lot of what you say in the book. Let's pray, let's do whatever it takes and let's, let's reproduce ourselves in adults mm. who can continue to love and serve teenagers. You know, that's super insightful. And it, it also makes me think of, um, about six months ago, I did a podcast with Louis Giglio and asked him, what is the spiritual condition of the college students at your passion events? Where are they at with the mm. pandemic? He goes, Greg, you know, they deal with 42,000 go out and be a part of their things. He goes, I have never seen a time where young people are more open to talk about spiritual things, about heaven, about hell, yeah. about death, about yeah. life. Yeah. Because yeah. I think the pandemic yeah. has been like a global funeral service. And at a funeral service, everybody's also thinking about their own mortality you know, it says Ecclesiastes, yeah. better is the, the house of uh, mourning than the house of feasting, because in the house of mourning, you pause yeah. and consider. And I think, you know, a lot of kids during the pandemic have paused and considered life, which oftentimes yeah. are, they, they don't, they're so busy, you know, they don't have that opportunity. And so I agree with you. This is a window of opportunity that we have right now that we can reshape youth ministry. I also think so use the analogy of a tsunami that goes out, you know, the, the wave goes out before it goes in. I think the wave has gone out and we're seeing a lot of what is broken in youth ministry. This, this whole thing yeah. is exposed, a lot of the brokenness. So it's time that we can do something to shift the system and to change it. And, uh, and so tell us, let's, let's shift, speaking of that, solutions, let's talk about the 10 by 10 collaboration. What are you guys doing that could really help shift the system, help create a youth ministry that's sustainable, youth leaders that are sustainable, and especially teenagers that sustain in their faith long-term. Can you give us just kind of the basic yeah. pillars of that? Yeah, thanks for asking that great question. And, I, and I'm so glad that Dare to Share is so committed to evangelism, discipleship, and including the 10 by 10 collaboration. So the collaboration emerged a few years ago, looking at the data that you quoted mm -hmm. already, that over a million young people a year are leaving the church. And so we thought, gosh, you know, Dare to Share, you'll only accomplish so much working on your own. Fuller, Young Life, Presbyterians, Alpha, whoever it might be, 
we'll only accomplish so much working on our own. What if we could really embody the unity Jesus prays for in John mm -hmm. 17? Um, you know, if that's one of Jesus's last prayers, maybe it should be one of our first go-to strategies. And what if we could harness the expertise of all these amazing mm. ministries and denominations and bring together and curate uh, really the best evangelism and discipleship resources. And so we're now in a process. We're still in kind of a quiet pilot testing mm -hmm. phase. So for listeners, if you're wondering, gosh, why haven't I heard about that? Because we're just barely starting to talk mm -hmm. about it publicly. Uh, but you can find out more if you go to 10, uh, 10x10.org. That's spell out T-E-N-X-1-O.org. Um, you can go to that website. You can sign up to get updates. But we're in the process now of curating amazing resources from church and parachurch ministries. And then we're going to be offering them in well-organized, doable, accessible, feasible, communal training for youth leaders nationwide. And so, like I said, we're in a curating, piloting season. We'll be going more public in 2023. Um, but, you know, we had a summit and, you know, you and I were just talking about the two Dare to Share team members that were there. We had a summit last month in Los Angeles with 140 leaders uh, from 20 denominations mm -hmm. and 40 different organizations, urban, rural, suburban, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, all different ethnicities, uh, you know, represented over a third of the people in the summit were leaders of color, which we want it to be even more that way in future gatherings. And so, um, so it just feels like it's this divine season for us to come together and focus on relational discipleship that's radically focused on Jesus. Yeah. And so every word there is important. It's relational, mm -hmm. it's discipleship. And it's radically focused on who Jesus is and how Jesus can change us and, and young people. Wow. That is, uh, that is awesome. And you, uh, just recently have a book out about three questions that, uh, teenagers need. And what is the exact title? I always mess the title name up. I always call it three teenagers, three yeah. questions teenagers ask and I get it wrong. <laughs> What's the... Three teenagers on three a bus something. and they ask questions or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, three big questions that change every yeah. teenager. Um, and, and that, you know, that was, that certainly has informed yeah. 10 by 10. And that is the result of a lot of research mm. we did on real life young people, as well as surveying or amazing research that already exists to look at, okay, you know, on any given day, young people are asking mm. questions about technology. They're asking questions about uh, college. They're asking questions about what they're going to do on Friday night with their friends. Okay. On any given day, that's mm. what they're asking. What are the questions beneath yeah. the questions? And that's where we identified that those three big questions are yeah. identity. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. Belonging. Yeah. Where do I fit? And purpose. What difference can I make? And, you know, the good news is Jesus and the faith community offers the best yeah. answers Amen. to those questions. And we have the chance to point young people to, you know, the only answers that really satisfy versus some of the answers they are tempted to grab onto yeah. short. -term. You know, I just tell you, it's impacted me, those three ideas of identity, belonging and purpose. I mean, I've always seen those, but I've never yeah. connected those. And now, like we, yeah. uh, even on Sunday when I was given the gospel, we have a gospel acrostic. I moved through the L is life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. But then I talk about it's life as, life with, and life for. It's life as a child of God. That's our identity. Huh. 
It's life oh, with the people of God. That's our belonging. And it's life for the mission of God. That's our purpose. And it's not, and did you, and Greg, I'm writing that down. Did you yeah, come well, up with I that? Yeah, well, I came up with it based on those three things that we heard about at. No, but you, well, that's a beautiful merging of our research and very clear yeah, language. Yeah. I love there that. You Thank you. One team. Well, and what's interesting is all of us, uh, regardless of our age, all of us are exactly. wrestling with those identity, oh belonging, and purpose questions. It's just that for young people, they're at like a real rolling it's... boil. And, you know, I'll tell you, when, whenever I'm around a young person, and uh, whether it's my own kid or some other young person, if, and they're doing something that just doesn't totally like make sense to me, or I think, gosh, that's mm. out of character for you, or I'm surprised you're doing that. Like if I take a step mm. back and I go... What are they yeah. hungry for? Yeah. What are they seeking? Are they seeking belonging identity? Are they great. seeking belonging? Are they seeking purpose? It's like it all yeah. of a sudden makes sense to me what they're it's, after. It's interesting. So. I just had a, a wake-up call. I, I finished a book called Unlikely Fighter, and it's a memoir. And it's – Yeah. Oh, it's great. I've read it. So it's fantastic. That book, you know, what's, what's interesting, it's 22 chapters. The first 21 happened before I turned 16. It really is all about mm. identity, belonging, and purpose. How did – who am I? How yeah. did I belong in this family? And why yeah. am I here? And looking back, yeah. I didn't know those three before when I wrote it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the Lord really, yeah. even for my uncles who are now geriatric, who are main characters in the book, they're like, that brought together yeah. stuff for us about our identity, belonging, and purpose. It was very interesting. So, but it, again, these yeah. are questions we always struggle with. I want to bring in our guest youth leader yeah. now. Uh, and his name is Bill Freund. We, he's affectionately known as Mr. Bill. He's a husband of Jean for over 30 years, has a 25-year-old son and a 21-year-old daughter, and he, have a, he has an awesome family. He's been doing youth ministry for 37 years, loves the outdoors, playing games, hanging out with anyone younger than him, and he's a runner. He's a running machine. And uh, I've known Mr. Bill since our days at Colorado Christian University, and he is a good friend. So, Mr. Bill, thanks for being a part of this podcast. You bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And just to, I'll let you to respond. We've got a few minutes here, but I want to let you respond, ask questions, make comments based on what uh, Kara shared, which I thought was super. Sure. Any corrections that you might want to offer, Mr. Bill? We welcome <laughs> any, anything you want to suggest be different or said uh, differently, too. Well, I just want to say thanks for your work in the youth ministry world. Uh, like I said, I've known you for a long time. Uh, gone to a lot of your breakout sessions at different youth things. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, a lot of my lady leaders really have connected with you over the years, mm -hmm. and it's been awesome. Um, uh, so thank you for your, your voice in this, this whole uh, discussion. Um, I think, you know, when you said that Jesus captivated you, uh, I, I, I always go back to you. Remember when... Um, David prayed in Psalms, restore me to the joy of your salvation. Mm -hmm. um, man, we, I think sometimes we forget how awesome it is when we came to know the Lord and how he captivated us. And somehow we got to communicate that to students because honestly, when Jesus captivates a heart, then other things start happening. But until that really happens, mm -hmm. uh, those other things don't. You know, and um, I mean, all this stuff is I think we've got into, you know, when we talk about the failure of youth ministry, um, we've got into much more programmatic than we have been relational. And um, whenever we do that, it's going to turn out, you know, uh, products rather than people, if that makes sense. 
And uh, so that part really jumped out at me, you know. And I would absolutely agree. Our students want to be challenged. I mean, they are students of cause. I mean, you go to the schools and walk up and down the hallways and you got posters everywhere. They're raising money to do this or they're helping to do this. And they want to be about a cause. And we have the greatest cause we could ever give them. And that is the cause of Christ. And so if we under challenge them, they'll just go somewhere else. And you know what? Um, we got to stop doing that. You expect little, you get little. But if you expect much, you get much. I mean, look at all the public schools. They got to learn all that hard stuff trigonometry and oh my goodness i remember when i it was eighth grade after eighth grade i could no longer help my students with their my own son and daughter with their homework i was like oh man it's been a few years and i'm that's all the further i can take you you're gonna have to find a tutor now <laughs> but they're learning hard stuff and the last thing we need to do when they come to the church is play with them you know uh we can't do that and so you know um uh they, I believe our students, uh, they don't want to uh, Mr. Just, Mr. Uh, Bell, I'm going to jump in here. I, I think both of us fully agree with you, but I know we're, what we're not saying is that youth group shouldn't be fun. I know you play games, right. we play games, but it's okay sure. to have sizzle as long as you got some steak, right? And yep. uh, I that's know exactly you, get, right. you get them to the steak, right? And that's yep. that's, that's right. These, and, and our students don't want to just take in something. They want to take on something. And they really want to be involved, okay? And so we want them to be involved. And so you do that by giving away ownership. You've you got to give them ownership. And uh, I think a lot of times, if we're playing, like it was talked about a lot of times, the quarterback, and we're the one doing everything, um, and rather than being a coach where we're going, hey, we got to coach everybody, um, then that's what happens a lot of times. And it's, uh, and it's, by the way, yeah. it's harder to coach than it is to be the quarterback. And that's why we do it. I, I love what you're saying, Mr. Bell. And as you were just talking, I was thinking about a ministry that's in our pilot for 10 by 10. Um, and, and this wonderful youth leader realized that she was doing ministry for and to teenagers um, instead of it being done with and by mm -hmm. teenagers. And so she said, you know what, we're going to end that. We're going to help yeah. young people really have a sense of purpose in the ministry. So she went to her teenagers and said, okay, I'm not planning Sundays anymore for you to just show up. We're going to plan them together. We're going to plan midweek together. We're going to plan service together, service activities, etc." And so the students really got the keys with her to, to run the youth ministry. And it got to the point that um, there was a church business meeting coming up and not only did the students attend, but they came with amendments that they wanted to suggest to some oh, of the items awesome. on, the, on the business agenda, which I just think, I love that, that she was able to change that paradigm. Hmm. And I, I love what you said, Mr. Bill, not, not just take in, but yeah, take on something. Great. That'll preach Mr. Bill. I'm going to steal that. Well, I, well, I think I heard it from uh, the FCA guy you had on a while back. Jeff. Oh, what that's right. Name? Jeff. Jeff Martin. I think he mentioned it. So I was like, that's exactly right. And yeah. so anyway, um, I, another thing uh, I was looking down here in my notes, um, you know, just the idea of, of, of uh, giving students the opportunities, um, the, the experiencing Jesus. You know, we like to be informational yeah. and, it, you know, mm -hmm. information doesn't always cause transformation. And you've got to give them those opportunities. That's one of the reasons I love Dare to Share, Greg, is because 
we're going to talk about sharing our faith, but then we're going out, you know? And, and I mean, we do that right away and we got to give them those opportunities. Yeah. Um, one of the things I loved about, um, loved about the pandemic, if that sounds weird, um, is that uh, it took their busyness away for a while. Does that make sense? Uh, and for sure. honestly, I mean, they're starting to get busy again. Um, and, but it was a chance yeah. for them to kind of re, you know, reboot and, you know, mm-hmm. a chance to build mm-hmm. those relationships. And I mean, I was on the phone and making visits more than I've ever done in my life because I thought this is the time we got to spend time with them mm-hmm. if we can. If their parents, will, their parents will let me come over without with a mask or whatever, <laughs> you know. But I mean, for a while there, it was it took busyness away. And that was a very good thing because it helped us see how much. We think busyness can be godliness, and it's not necessarily true. Mm. That makes mm. sense. So, for sure, you know, I know so many youth leaders who've wanted their teenagers to be less busy, yeah. and so I, I do think that was one of the gifts of the pandemic is teenagers were less busy, and a lot of wise, creative youth leaders figured out how to involve kids in service, how to involve kids in sharing their faith. Um, in ways that were safe and worked with the pandemic. And so for those kids, the pandemic really was a, a growth opportunity. Yeah. And I, I think uh, something you said too about the intergenerational stuff, mm-hmm. we've been talking about that here a little bit, is on Wednesday nights we're saying, hey, what if you know next year we coordinate with our men's and women's mm-hmm. ministries and just say, we'd like to have our 11th and 12th graders or our older students sit in on, on uh, at least a couple series they do throughout the year Nice. To be able to get them building relationships mm-hmm. with, in that regard as well, um, we have a prayer ministry where every student in our church is prayed for by some adult at some point in time in the week, and so we are trying to connect that way. But you know, they're just—they're not. Um, I think there's this mentality among young people. You know, what it's like old people don't know anything, um, and then you get real smart all of a sudden around 25 or 30, going, man, they really do know something, you know. But there's that age period where they're like, oh, they don't know. Um, but I honestly try to get a multi-age group of leaders in my student ministry mm-hmm. because they get, they all have so much to offer. Yeah. You know, um, and some of the best ones that our students love. We had this when I was in Castle Rock, Colorado. We had a lady. She was 80 years old, and they loved her. Yeah. And they, they would come in and everybody would flock to her. And it was awesome. Mr. Bill. And so what I do, here's what I do is I ask, you want to talk about how I get youth leaders? Here's my best way is I ask the students, who would you like to come in and be uh, work, with our, work with you on Wednesday nights? And then I go to them and say, hey, the students asked if you would come commit. That's and awesome. So, That's a great so idea. I, and honestly, but honestly, one of the ways they do, they just go, it breaks down that barrier of not yeah. knowing if you can be uh, of any kind of influence. If people are saying we want you to come in, that breaks that down a little Amen. bit. Amen. Hey, Mr. Bill, uh, this has been great awesome. insight. And I think that last jewel you dropped is going to be gold for uh, youth leaders that are listening. Kara uh, Powell, you've done a phenomenal job. Thank you so much for your work with the 10 by 10 collaboration. How, again, just one more time, how will youth leaders find that website? Yep. T E N X. 10.org. That's T-E-N-X-1-0-1-0 dot org. All right. And it'll be in the show notes. Get the three big questions by uh, Dr. Kara Powell. You need to read that phenomenal book. Mr. Bill, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, Absolutely. remember all those listening that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing one. Thanks for tuning in.